In this week's episode, I asked myself, what would I need to hear if I felt fully burnt out from trying to conceive, but I really wanted a baby still? If I truly desired to become a mom, but my heart was just so burnt from the consistent trying and the roller coaster of emotions each month, what would I need to hear? What does my soul need to hear? So let's dive into what God's Word has for us today. Hey friends, welcome to the Waiting Well Podcast. I am your host, Courtney Dunker, and you are here because your journey to motherhood has not looked the way that you always imagined. It has held heartbreak, loneliness, and questions like, why me, God? I'm here to remind you that you do not have to walk this road alone. And here, we can wait well together. Each week, I will share faith-based encouragement from my own infertility journey, provide information from guest experts on navigating infertility and conceiving, powerful testimonies, and top tips on stewarding your health and emotional well-being through this demanding journey. So if you are ready to take back control of your life, find peace with God, join the in-between spaces, and thrive in your waiting season, then meet me at the well, girl. Grab that warm chocolate chip cookie, a little bit of unicorn juice or iced coffee. We've got some intentional growth to do. Let's get it. I opened up my Bible and I want to start with this verse in Matthew. It says, Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and wherever thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And the reason I wanted to start with that verse is because in a moment of feeling fully burnt out, you are sitting here and you are just at the end of your rope with trying to conceive. You are frustrated. You're at the end of your rope and you're telling God, like, I cannot do this anymore. I cannot face these emotions every single month. Every time I get my period, it kills me. Every time I think that I could be reading into symptoms and then lo and behold, I take the pregnancy test and it's negative. What what do I do when I'm just feeling this ache so deep in my heart? And I can't get rid of it. Like, even if you want to shut off your emotions, even if you want to turn off trying to conceive, it's always there in the back of your mind. If you have gone through any kind of waiting season with infertility or trying to conceive, it's just, it's always present and it's kind of all consuming because even in the seasons where Josh and I would take a break and we would not be actively trying to conceive, we weren't actually doing anything different. It was just a mental decision of like, we're not tracking everything and we're not trying to conceive mentally. We're not in this phase. But every single month, my period still came. Every single month, I knew when I was ovulating. I knew when my period would start. I knew when it would end. Like I knew my cycle. And so even on the months where I was quote unquote taking a break, there was not necessarily a full mental and emotional break because it was still in the back of my head like, oh, well, I mean, I know I'm not trying right now, but there goes another month, not pregnant. Of course, I'm not pregnant. Like they say, just try and you'll conceive. 
So what do you do when you find yourself in this place, this place of isolation, of frustration, of total burnout in your trying to conceive journey? What do you do? Where do you go? How do you re-engage when you are like, we still want a baby? So like, how do I, how do I get myself into a better place mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, where I can be engaged and not necessarily loving the journey, but present and surrendered to God and like in a healthy position, not burnt out from just trying to conceive over and over again, negative, 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 like in that downward spiral. What do you do? And that's why I wanted to start with that verse in Matthew 6, because I read this earlier just before hopping on it to record. And it says, do not lay up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but treasures in heaven. And I had it like this thought hit me and it was just like the Lord just whispered to me, the point of the process is refinement and storing up treasures in heaven. It is not even about the baby. And I was just like, whoa, like mind blown. That is how we beat that burnout feeling is by going back to the refiner's fire is what you call it. And scripture talks about this all over. Like I did a search of the refiner's fire and God talking about refining us through the fire and through, you know, adversity and through troubles. And God's word talks about it in so many different areas. I wanna I wanna share some verses with you guys. But at the end of the day, our whole life, everything that we do, everything that we go through, it's about him. It is about knowing him. It is about sharing him. It is about being his vessel. It like everything is wrapped up into this eternal story of giving God glory and pointing to our creator. Even our difficult journey of trying to conceive is for his glory, for his, for his glory. It's our mission field. It's our ministry. We didn't ask for it. We didn't necessarily want it. I hope that that is sticking with you as much as it was for me. It is about the process and it is about how we are being refined through the fire to store up treasure in heaven. That's the point. And so when we are facing burnout, we have to come back to the foundation of the whole journey and what the process, what the purpose is in the process. Because we're getting distracted by the destination not coming at the time that we expected it to come. And we're getting frustrated. And that, that frustration is building burnout because we're focusing on just get to the destination, get to the destination. But God's like, the destination is not the point. The destination will happen in my time, in my way, and in what's best for you and for this story that I'm writing in the world. The point of the process, what you're going through right now is for me to transform your heart, for me to change you as a couple, as an individual, but more than anything, for you to store up treasures in heaven. The point is for you to not just have all these kids on earth side. The point is for you to store up treasures in heaven, to know God richer, deeper, more intimately, and to be able to tell of his great love for others. That's the point. And so to be overwhelmed, we have to acknowledge and come to this place of surrender to the refiner's fire and acknowledging like that's the point. 
The purpose is in the process. And even though the process brings pain, it can still be a good process coexisting with the pain that we have, but also knowing that the whole point of it has a purpose. So let's dig into some scripture because I really think that this is going to like just encourage us. And anytime that we're feeling burnt out, just pull up this episode, save it, download it, and allow yourself to be reminded of the truth of the journey that everything that we go through is to teach us more about God, to teach us more about his love, and for us to just be able to be living testimonies, walking testimonies of God's great love for us. And sometimes he wants to achieve that through some painful circumstances. Sometimes it's not necessarily him purposefully doing it, but allowing it into our life so that it is a part of the refining fire for our journey. So in 1 Peter 1.7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it may be tried with fire, might be found praiseworthy honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 48.10, behold, I have refined you, but not with silver. I have chosen the furnace of affliction. Man, that is strong language. I have chosen the furnace of affliction. Sometimes God is going to refine us, to humble us, to teach us, to show us who he actually is, not who we just think he is, not who we've thought he is because of what we've learned growing up or what we've experienced or what someone else said, but genuinely experiencing him. Sometimes the only way he can teach us and to show us his love for us is through the furnace of affliction. I 1000% believe that my relationship with the Lord did a complete transformation during my journey trying to conceive Highland. I had the wrong idea of who God was before. I genuinely felt like I am a good person. I am doing good things. I have followed you, Jesus, quote unquote, done all of these moral things you know, for how many years? 25, 26 years. And here I am asking for a blessing that you've said in your word is a blessing. And you're not even listening. Like, where are you in this? Six years. Like, what's going on? The frustration, the burnout was so real. But I look back at that. And obviously, vision is 2020 in hindsight. But I look back at that and I wouldn't trade any of those days, even in that moment, eventually before I even knew that Highland was going to be a reality, I genuinely felt 100% peace with our conception journey and with God because I had gotten to a place of understanding what his goodness actually is and what he said his goodness was in scripture. A lot of times we think that God's goodness is evidence in what's happening to us and what's happening for us, and what we have, our circumstances, our blessings, whatever. We think it's a tangible thing. It's like, if your life is going well according to the world standards, then God's good, right? And we're so wrong in that. We're so wrong in that. Like God's goodness is literally Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. He sent his one and only son to come live a perfect human life, sacrifice himself willingly on a cross, a crucifixion, a horrific death by choice, knowing he could save himself, still choosing that death 
And as a result, being able to conquer death and free us for eternity, to be able to live in good standing, correct standing, holy standing, righteous standing that we don't deserve, we didn't earn with God. We could stand before God with no shame, no blame, no blemish, nothing, pure white because of Jesus Christ. That is his goodness, period. There is no commas. There is no end of the sentence. It doesn't, it's not a run-on sentence here. For a long time, I had that head knowledge. I knew about Jesus Christ and what he had done for me. I accepted him. I loved him for that. But I was living my life. I was not controlling my emotions because I was just fixated on the fact that he wasn't giving me the things I was praying for. And this is like a constant theme in my life. Like I look back and like I thought I would meet my spouse in college, like my parents met in college. So I was like, I'm going to a Christian school. I'm going to meet my Christian husband at school. We're going to get married right after college. It's going to be great. And I went to college and I left single. And then a couple years, like two, three years went by. And then I finally meet Josh. And I look back at that and I'm like, For so many years, I was like, God, where are you in my singleness? Why are you not answering this prayer? Why are you not good to me? You're good to other people. Like they're getting their spouses, they're getting their babies. You can see goodness, right? Because people are so quick to be like, praise God for this business, you know, praise God for this raise, praise God for this business success, praise God for this baby, like praise God for this. And yes, we should praise God for anything in our life, like good. All of those things, like all good gifts come from him. God's word says that. However, when people are praising God and you don't have what they're praising him for, a lot of times it can become like this mental roadblock of thinking that means God's not good to me or his character is not true to me. Something's off, right? Because at least for me, I think in terms of fairness, I'm like, well, you're not being fair. Like you're good with them, but not good with me. So you're not fair which means you're not good. And it's just like this kind of vicious cycle of me tearing apart God's character when putting on human characteristics that he, and trying to rationalize as well in human logic that he never asked me to. And so I I go back to that season of feeling burnt out. It's like, I found joy and peace in the process because I accepted that God's goodness was good enough in Jesus Christ. I didn't need a baby for me to say, God is good. I didn't need him to answer my any prayer, any, any other prayer I would ever pray. I didn't need any of those prayers answered for me to say proudly, unashamedly, confidently, and joyfully with no shadow of a doubt that God was good. I could wholeheartedly do that because of the refiner's fire that trying to conceive put me through. Like it says in Isaiah 48, 10, that furnace of affliction transformed me. It taught me who he was and stripped away the lies that I had. I didn't even know that I was believing about his character. And that's the thing, right? Like we are so impacted by the company we keep, by the people that we engage with on a consistent basis. And even good people, even people who say they believe in God can sometimes lead us astray because their theology is wrong, right? But they're just like throwing out platitudes, right? Uh, faith-based platitudes that try to comfort you and stuff. And, and it, can, it can misconstrue the truth. The truth is, God is good. 
only because of John 3.16 and all because of John 3.16. It starts and ends there. His goodness, like he, because he is a good father, he wants to give us good gifts, but he doesn't have to. And the only gift that we actually seek, like even, I truly believe even, and I'm kind of getting off topic here, getting in the weeds, but it's good. Even the gift of motherhood, everything that we're seeking in this life, there is an identity that's felt unfulfilled because we are not yet standing in the fullness of the presence of Christ, our creator. So we are seeking things like motherhood, being married, job success, whatever you want to insert there. For most of us, it's motherhood and we're seeking and we're, and we're desiring that. And we just need to be aware that even though being a mother is a good thing, even though God has said in his word to go and make, you know, to go and reproduce essentially, even though God has said that, and he says that children are fruit, and he says that they're a blessing, and he says, you know, blessed are those who do have many arrows in their, you know, arrow thing. Like there's tons of scripture that talks about children being a blessing and motherhood being a blessing and all the things. God intended for us to have family. He did. However, that desire that we crave that creates burnout because it's left unfulfilled as we pursue motherhood is because we are not in that full standing of being fully satisfied in God. We are seeking fulfillment in motherhood, in a good thing. And the enemy is going to try to twist that and he's going to try to tell us that we're less than. He's going to try to rob us of our new identity in Christ and he's going to try to isolate you, break you, hurt you, discourage you. To even use this furnace of affliction that God is using for good, he can also use that burnout feeling to just destroy things in your life. Maybe it is your marriage and you're struggling because of your conceiving journey. Maybe it's like bitterness towards God and you've just like turned away from him. The enemy is going to see that desire in you that is good. It is a good desire. However, it's never going to be fully satisfied on earth. Even the mothers who have children, it will never be fully satisfied. We will still crave because our craving is our identity in Christ and spending time, like literally being in the presence of God. We are not whole. And so the enemy is going to use that. He's going to use the process to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy prowls around like a lion looking for something to devour that's in the New Testament. And I just think about that often, how little credit we give to the burnout that we could feel when trying to conceive. Like the enemy is going to attack and he is going to attack marriages and he's going to attack your faith and he's going to attack your identity and he's going to attack because we're in the furnace of affliction. And it's easy to like think about a lion who's looking for devour like to devour prey. Imagine like Bambi. I don't even know if lions chase deers. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. <laughs> but just imagine a lion is going after their prey, right? And it's a little bit injured. It's so much easier to attack when they're injured. The furnace of affliction, even though it can bring good, it can show the fruit, the evidence of the fruit that's being 
cultivated in your heart because of the Holy Spirit through that that affliction, it also can lead to disarray because the enemy is going to prey even more on the vulnerable, the pain, the hurt, the heartache. He is going to twist that as far as he can until you can't even see straight of who God is. And that is why we need community more than ever before because we will go through these these ups and downs, these valleys, the emotional roller coaster of trying to conceive. And we need people to bring us back to the truth. Like this podcast, that's why I felt such a deep calling to, and even like with how busy I am, I'm like, I got to keep showing up. It's imperfect. It's messy. I'm not 100% consistent every single week without fail. Like some weeks, like last week got crazy. And I just didn't get an episode out. and But I still just have this tug on my heart to show up for you guys because I know what it's like when you feel like you're fighting for everything. You're fighting for your faith, for your marriage, for your future family. And I'm here to say that the enemy holds no ground over your marriage. I'm getting tears in my eyes because this is just, I feel like whoever's listening to this, I just feel like the enemy will attack is attacking, will attack. It doesn't matter. It's going to happen on this conceiving journey. And I refuse to stand by as he hurts and preys on our community because God has better for us. He has marriages with more intimacy than ever before, even if we never get that child. He has families so rich in unity and fullness of love, even if the child never comes. Lord, I just truly feel Like there's someone listening right now who's just hurting and burnt out and in pain. And they are, like Isaiah says, they are in the furnace of affliction. But I believe that 1 Peter 1 7, that through the trial, they will prove to have treasure up in heaven that's precious, more precious than gold. And it will be praiseworthy. I think one of the most beautiful things about my journey with Highland is that people can praise God for what he did through our testimony. It's not me. I didn't will myself here. The Holy Spirit protected me. It was a fight. There were times where I felt like, what's even the point of living? I don't think I've ever shared that publicly. But part of us leaving Japan after our two years and our decision to moved to Maui was because I had, I was in a depression. And even though I was like functioning very well through it, I remember just having so many conversations with Josh. Like, I, I don't feel healthy. Like, I don't think I can keep going at this pace or this rate or just in this space. Like, I need community. I need people to pour into me. I don't have anyone with me in this. but I mean, obviously we had each other, but he was gone a lot for basketball. And um, it's a little bit different as a woman, I think, when you're dealing with like literally the period every single month and all that. But I remember multiple times I'd be riding my bike because we didn't have a car (laughs) in Japan. Be riding my bike and just thinking like, would it really matter like if I wasn't here anymore? Like I could just get hit by a car right now. I know that sounds so wild and it's still wild to think about. And I remember thinking in the moment, like, this is crazy. I am not at all 
you know, thinking about that. But, and I was never tempted to do anything, but it was just in this state of just total brokenness because we didn't have community. We didn't have anyone rallying us with the truth of God's word. And even if you are sitting here today and you're like, I don't, nobody even knows that I'm suffering in this, I'm suffering in silence. I want to challenge you to say something to somebody who doesn't know, to invite somebody into your brokenness, because I will tell you that community healed my heart before we ever got pregnant. When we moved back to Maui, the community here healed my heart in a way that I needed, that I needed people to just give me a reason to live that was beyond this huge thing that I was praying for. And and it's funny because as soon as we got home, I went to the, a doctor and got, you know, quote unquote, clinically diagnosed with depression. And I, he was like, hey, I can write you a prescription, whatever. And I said, no, I'm not. I know that this is, I know this is a result of my circumstances. I know this is a result of not having community. I know that this is a spiritual thing. And I thousand percent believed that it was going to get fixed because we were now going to immerse ourselves in community. We were going to invite people in. We were going to be around family again. Like with the move to Maui, it was going to be a total lifestyle transformation. And it was. It took a while. It took time. It took time to trust people to come into our mess and, and sit in it with us. Probably about six months of like actively you know, looking for that community and asking people and connecting until we got to the point of like people walking in the trench, like literally, like if you think of a war back in the day and you're like in that trench and you're elbow to elbow in mud with your person who's, you know, on your team, it's like you're in that mud together. And it took us about six months to find that. But the reason I want to challenge you to tell somebody is because the enemy is going to continue to sow discord in your life as long as it's not as long as it's not being exposed by the light and the truth and i believe that things grow in the darkness it's something i learned in a sermon it was kind of like if you keep it in the darkness it's like a little gremlin it's just going to grow and grow and grow and and it's going to have so many weeds and roots that just like start taking over other he- healthy areas of your life like your marriage or something. And anyway, but as soon as you expose it to the light, right? Like God's word says that we are light. His word is light. He uses light and darkness very often as an um, an analogy of his love and his presence. And it's interesting, like you shine light on the gremlin and that gremlin shrinks and it loses its power because it's exposed. It can't grow roots when it's exposed. And that is why we need community. We need to invite people into the furnace of affliction with us. You know, I think of, and I'm just kind of like all over the place, but I hopefully this is just like a message that like somebody out there, I I believe like God has this word for you. But if you think about Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, if you don't know who they are, it's going to be hard to figure out how to spell that, but look them up, Google them. Is a story in the Old Testament. Um, they were literally put in a fiery furnace because they wouldn't bow down to the king. I, I think it was something like that. But anyway, they like said, okay, check on them. Like, are they dead yet? Whatever. And they like go to check and like they're the three of these guys are just standing there like unburned, unscathed, 
not even a singe, couldn't even smell smoke on them. And there was a fourth man standing in there with them, they say. And it it was Jesus. And it just that we need that presence. We need the light. We need the presence. When we're going through the furnace, we need somebody in the trenches with us to pour into our marriages, to pour into our person, like our personal burnout. Like we need people to be like, keep the faith. First Peter 1 7. After the trial of your faith, you will find to be praised and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Okay. And then and God's word says, I will bring the third part through the fire, refine them as silver is refined, will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name and I will hear them. I will say it is my people and they shall say the Lord is my God. Choosing to disengage with the burnout feeling, to acknowledge, to bring light, to shed light on the areas that the gremlins are growing, to invite people into this, to say that I am in the furnace of affliction, but at the end of this, I will be able to say that the Lord is my God and he will be able to say, those are my people. And we will go back eventually when all of this is said and done. We've lived our lives, whatever. At some point, we're going to stand before God and we will know that we did not lay up treasures on earth. We laid up treasures in heaven. For where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. And we chose to put our treasure in heaven, knowing that the process had purpose, knowing that this furnace of affliction had a purpose, knowing that at the end of it all, At the end of it all, the most important thing is to know the Lord, to walk with the Lord, to share the Lord. And we can do that when we are in surrender and we choose to disengage from the burnout feelings and do something about it. We have the power to do something about that feeling. You can love the process again. You can love trying to conceive with your husband again. You can love taking that pregnancy test. You can look forward to things with hope and a future because God gives us that. God gives us a future, a hope. We are a new creation in him. So anytime that the enemy is just like attacking you, you have to know, "Uh uh-uh, not today. Like literally not today, Satan. Like I know that you came to steal, kill, and destroy. And if I'm feeling any of those kinds of ways and I'm feeling that burnout, it's because you're trying to steal something right now. You're trying to kill my doubt or my hope. You're trying to kill my future. You're trying to kill my belief in Jesus. You're trying to kill my marriage. No, not today. Say no, no, thank you. Get out, get away. The truth is that I am in the furnace of affliction, but Jesus Christ is right here next to me. He's holding me. He's protecting me. He's protecting my marriage. And I'm going to tell somebody when I feel that way, when I feel that presence of the enemy just crouching in, crouching at my door, trying to get a foothold. I'm going to invite a friend, a third party, a fourth party, whatever. I'm going to invite people in. I'm going to invite community, get in the trenches and say, we're going to fight this battle. We're going to fight this battle together because at the end of it all, when all is said and done, we will be able to create a testimony. And because of our testimony, people will be able to praise God and say, look what God did through them. Not I, but Christ through me. That is how I'm going to show up am I trying to conceive journey? Galatians 2.20. Not I, but Christ through me. 
when it comes to trying to conceive, literally having sex, not I, but Christ through me, I'm having joy in this. I'm going to enjoy this. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be fun. We have so much power because of Christ living through us in the Holy Spirit. And if you choose to live a life of surrender, you're going to experience that peace and hope and joy. And if you choose to do it in community, because that is how God is, he's a triune God, he's a community God. In that sense, he is three in one. We were meant for relationship. Inviting people in and saying, okay, we're doing this together. That is how we're going to beat burnout. That's how you handle it. You handle it with the word of God. You dig into the point of this whole process. And the point of the process is that through it, I will be refined through it. I will have a testimony through it. People will be able to praise God. That's the point. No matter what the destination is, that is the point. I am currently storing up treasure for myself in heaven because I put my heart there and my heart is in heaven. I know that there will never be full fulfillment in what I'm searching for, even in my desire to be a mom. So I'm going to surrender that too. And I'm going to say, Christ, you are my full fulfillment. I'm going to say, thank you for this process because through it, I get to know you. I get to see the gift of your son and I'm more in love with you. And I'm more surrendered to you because I understand how desperately I needed that gift of atonement. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I am so glad that you chose to meet me at the well today. If this episode inspired you, changed you, or blessed you in some way, I would love for you to do one of two things. First, head to Apple Podcasts at that link below and leave a review. And second, screenshot this episode and share it in your stories, tagging me at Sewn With Strength or text it on over to a friend that this episode might bless. These are the number one ways to thank me. I am truly so grateful to be building out this community and I cannot wait to see you on the next episode. Until then, go get a workout done for me and I will see you right back here at the Waiting Well Podcast.